And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to another edition of your weekly LGBT radio fix. I'm Andy Shilton. And I'm Steffi Barnett and this is Shout Out. Today on the show we dial one for revenge. Yes, and we'll be talking to author Emma Brand about this thrilling, funny and incredibly moving book. Uh, Plus, it's still LGBT History Month in the UK, so we've got some more informational shorts for you. All today, right here on Shoutout. Hello, everyone. So this is really weird. <laughs> it, it, it feels like we're, we're we're back in lockdown again, doing doing this. So, and we should probably explain for the listeners, shouldn't we? Should, we? So, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> or don't, don't so, just say, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, no, we're live. Uh, you know, absolutely. Sat in the we? studio, honest. Yeah. <laughs> so no, um, um, we are actually what you're listening to. If you're listening live, obviously, if you're listening on a pre-record on a on a different station, it's already pre-recorded. Um, but we are recording this a night earlier. Um, that we normally would so we're actually recording this on Wednesday because right now being Thursday we are currently with Avon Somerset Police um, who we spoke to a few weeks ago because um, they got their first consultancy with the community um, so we shall be there and we'll have some updates for you on that next week I believe is it Steph is it next week it's in for it is yep it's all planned cool. in for next week cool so anyway how are we all are we well we're good Hi. yes so it's not we're not seeing the police because we, they finally caught up with us or anything. <laughs> well, maybe in your case, mate. For all, all the right That's a whole other conversation, Terry. <laughs> maybe not for radio or after hours, maybe. So yeah, no, good, good. It's been a busy week. I can't believe it's only Wednesday, but you know, or Thursday. Sorry, just, sorry. Am I am I the only one who's just wishing for a bit of like sunshine and warmer weather no. and spring and flowers and so. Because it's officially the meteorological end of winter um, at the end of February, isn't it? Coming up, that's right. And the trees are in blossom, actually, on my high street, so... Perhaps things are moving on, or perhaps that's just global warming. <laughs> no, it's, it's always hotter in South Bristol, Terry. It is. We're hot people, you see. It's all the scally lads in their tracksuits, you see. Hot stuff. So, all, um, all the heat from the burning buses. And I believe, um, I believe next week we have a shout out first. We're having Ooh. a leap year show. So is it a oh, leap show? Because yeah. we're broadcasting on yep. the 29th. It is. You've, First time you've um, ever done it. Yeah. yeah. Not only have you got an extra day in your life, dear listeners, but we uh, have an extra shout out. Extra free shout and gratis. Out. Yeah. We're not even going to charge anyone for this. It will be free. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's well, amazing. Uh, what, in all these, what, 10, 12... 25 years of, of uh, 15, 13 we're coming up for 14 is it? yeah I think so this I can't remember it being on the time? 29th before wow I think so, you're right, Andy. I think you're but right. then 30 there haven't been that many leap years that we've, we've broadcast in let alone being able to broadcast on yeah, so, the problem is they only come round every four years yeah yeah, we have a leap. I think they stopped in you now, but we used to have a leap second at one point, or a leap minute they, as well. They, they still they still add leap seconds to the to the year. Um, 
occasionally to keep the atomic clocks in time with the Earth's rotation, which is yeah. always slightly wobbly anyway, yeah. It must yeah. be very strange if you're born on that day, because then you have to choose your own birthday, right? You're like... Well, well, you're like 20 and you're actually yeah. four. <laughs> yeah, but they, have, they, they literally have to choose when they celebrate a day before or a day after. Or on yeah. March the 1st, yes. Yeah. Well, which yeah. I think is what, what they do. I, I remember having a friend at school who, who did and always had it on the 1st of March, apart from on a leap year um, when it was like a huge occasion and they kind of made a really, really big deal out of it because that only happened every four years, which is kind of quite cool as well. I would like, no, um, I want two birthdays today um, and tomorrow. Um, Thanks. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, stay. Jeff, talk to me about Dial One for Revenge. It's a great book. Now, it's for young adults, but please don't let that restrict you. It is good enough for all ages, and that includes you, Andy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what, the oldest person on Shout Out? Right, Shout Out listeners. <laughs> Books. I know you all love a book, because we do the top ten regularly. Um, as we go through the different seasons. Now, this one by Emma Brand called Dial One for Revenge. Now, it's been described as thrilling, funny, incredibly moving, cleverly explores the afterlife and grief for lives not yet lived through teenage angst, paperwork and portals. I'm joined by Emma. Hi, Emma. Hello. Hi, Steffi. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. Now, before we get into the book and that, um, which I'm very in, intrigued by. It looks absolutely brilliant. Um, take us back to growing up. Did you always have a writing bent? Yes, I think for me growing up um, as an only child, I would often turn to writing as quite a form of um, escapism and comfort. I think um, I had friendship groups, but unfortunately I did go through some bullying and I would sometimes feel on the outside or on the fringe of friendships and situations like that so for me I would often turn to writing and um, to escape into a world that was so different to mine and I took a lot of comfort in um, creating magical worlds and different worlds where I was in control a bit more perhaps of what of what went on. Did you let your your mates at school read them um, were you confident enough in your abilities or did you read your mum and dad's stories? I think it was quite a private thing, to be honest, to start with. I, I, I recently sorted through some old scrapbooks at my parents' house and um, remember, it really took me back down memory lane, sort of reading these old stories um, that I'd sort of scribbled on little bits of paper. So it felt quite rushed kind of reading some of them but it was quite a private thing and a lot of my friends have said oh we wish she would have shared but I think I felt it was really vulnerable and wanted to sort of hold it to myself because I suppose some of the things I was thinking about were things I wasn't ready to talk to people about. Okay so was it like an internal monologue like a, a private diary that it was about your feelings that you were writing about was that cathartic for you? Very much. Um, I did used to journal and diary, or write in diaries quite often. Um, I have read some of those back recently, and wow, the things I was <laughs> feeling back in my teenage years. Oh, I just want to give younger Emma a really big cuddle because um, I could read the pain and I could feel the pain that, that she was going through at that time. Um, but yes, there was definitely a lot of writing about feeling different, mm. feeling alone and feeling othered. I think that was quite a key theme 
um, that would come up in the stories that I would write is somebody that was quite lonely. Hmm. So you, you struggled, I guess, through your childhood by the sound of it. At times, um, don't get me wrong, there, there was a lot of joy and a lot of happiness, but I think I felt like there was something wrong with me, I think, because particularly in secondary school, everyone was getting boyfriends and talking about crushes. And I thought, well, I don't feel any of those things. I feel so different. And that made me feel quite othered. And I, would, I felt at times I had to pretend to fit in. Um, I think peer pressure when I was at school wasn't great, but I feel like now it's even worse with social media and things like that. So I would say, yeah, there was definitely times where I thought, um, I can't find anybody like me. I can't find, I can connect with people on a certain level, but there was always something missing. Mm. When did that change for you? After you got out of school or while you were still in school? I think when I went to university was probably the game changer. Um, to be honest, I was quite a home girl. Um, I liked routine. I liked order and I wasn't very good at being away from home. And I did make the decision to go to university where I was in halls and I was away. And I think once I let go of some really toxic friendships and some situations that were holding me back and I met new people and I think I was able to explore my identity, who I was, um, you know, particularly um, the queer societies that I became a member of and, you know, exploring my sexuality. I think I felt really free. I think I felt like I could be fully me for the first time. Mm. And is university where you started to explore your writing in a more open way? At times, I think there were a few friends or a few people in some of the societies I would share bits to. But it was interesting as I think I became more myself and embraced things at times I wrote less because I felt like I was less on the page and more in my life. So I definitely noticed at times my my writing would kind of trail off. Um, but it was, it was always something I knew I could come back to like an old friend. Now this book, Dial One for Revenge is, have you written before? Um, and this is to a young audience as well, isn't it? It is. So it's it's a young adult novel. Um, I say about 12 to 15, but I love to read YA and I'm nearly going to be 40 this year. So I, 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 I think we can read whatever genre and age of novels that we that we so desire. Um, it is the first full, I'd say the full novel I've written. I have written one or two maybe in the past few years that never quite got to the end or I lost traction. So this was probably one of the first books I saw right through to the how I plotted it how I tracked the narrative and how I came to kind of the end of the story now what what made you think of doing a story about the afterlife is that something that all, um, already intrigued you I think I've always been curious about perhaps what other worlds or what other places could be out there and I've always enjoyed reading books about different worlds and it makes me think how we can incorporate that kind of creativity and magical realism into our own lives and our own worlds. But yes, I've always been curious about, um, you know, what goes on, mm. I say, in the in the beyond. But um, I'm, I'm very curious about that. And I think the story, the storyline and the narrative I was looking for when I was writing Dial One for Revenge, the afterlife and thinking, perhaps reflecting back on your life, your mortality, um, not necessarily your legacy, but really appreciating and being grateful for the life that you have and the life that you live. Mm. Well, lovely words. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
Now, <laughs> tell us about the book. Yes, so uh, Darwin for Revenge. So, yeah, it is a YA thriller um, and it has sapphic and non-binary representation. So the main character is Cassie Richardson. She, um, I can always give the spoiler alert away because it says so on the blurb that she was murdered. Um, she was murdered. So she works in a place called The In-Between, which is the afterlife. And her job is to um, dish out or exact revenges for clients that are still alive in the living world. And the quicker she does them, once she gets to 100 cases, she is told who killed her and she can do what she wants with that information, free, free reign to do what she desires. So it's kind of about perhaps how her journey arc with revenge changes through the people she meets, the people she works with, the experiences that she has, um, and is the revenge that she's searching out really what she wants. Mm. I would say that sounds quite intriguing to adults, not just young adults. Yes. So uh, I don't think for our listeners we should put an age on it because that sounds <laughs> such a lovely plot. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I think, um, you know, I wanted to write this because my experience with revenge when I was younger, in my teens and 20s particularly, I was obsessed with revenge. You know, if someone had upset me or hurt me, I would fantasise about it for ages and I would give so much time and energy to these people um, that didn't deserve it. Um, and, you know, I had some therapy and I really reflected on what was mine and what, what wasn't mine to hold on to. And actually, I realised, um, and my therapist gave a really interesting analogy of, it's like you drink poison, but you expect the other person to die. Wow. That's that's quite a statement, isn't it? Yeah, I think we, we, hold, we can hold a lot of hate and a lot of hurt, but often it's hurting us and not the person we want it to. And actually, for me, what I'm learning on my journey with revenge is sometimes the best revenge is indifference and just being happy and not giving those people um, a seat at your table because they don't deserve it. No, absolutely very wise words, Emma, that we can Thank all you. take on board, I think. <laughs> um, it sounds like that really, really helped you moving forward. Mm. Um, mm. Do you feel a lot freer now and be able to be yourself and a lot more at ease? And that means that going on from that, that your writing has got uh, in, not so much improved but greater as in you just you've got that passion now that you're focused on uh, to write more and more yes definitely I think writing that book was so so much more cathartic and therapeutic than I ever thought it could be and just the fact that I can share what I've learned and pass on that message um, if I can help one person that's more than more than enough um and that brings me such joy to share you know what i've taken from that experience and to give people comfort um in a time when sometimes people don't don't always find that or feel that way mm. have you thought that this could turn into a second and maybe a, a, a trilogy or will you just start something fresh um, I have had a lot of people who've read the book ask me, is there going to be a second one? Not for now. I'd quite like it at, at the moment being a standalone book and then people can derive their own thoughts or feelings, um, you know, from from the ending and how things move forward. Um, but who knows? Who knows what could happen in the future? 
Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, have you been in touch with Netflix or or Prime? <laughs> Um, that would be that would be the dream come true. Um, well, I'd say that the dream come true is actually getting a book published and out there in the world. Um, I, I would love I think it could be something that, you know, a few people have said, wow, this could be something that could be on a, a TV show like that. Um, I'm very aware that it's a very competitive world, but who knows? There's, I think there's no harm in trying to see what doors could be opened. No, the, the storyline, I, I think, fits so well with um, either a, a series or, or a one-off movie. It's such a lovely, lovely story. Now, moving on from the current book, what have you got planned that you can actually share with us? Um, so, yeah, I am working on a completely different story at the moment, which is um, still in the in the YA kind of arena, but once again, can be read by anybody. I really wanted to write a rom-com. I felt um, Darwin for Revenge had a lot of darker sort of themes, and I really wanted to write something that may have slightly dark themes, but it's also really light and um, and just wholesome and lovely. Um, I've been really moved by Heartstopper. Um, I think it's just beautiful, the, the graphic novels, the series. And I, what I loved about Heartstopper was just how wholesome and lovely um, it was and how it's touched so many people. And I wanted to write a rom-com that explores other dynamics that are complex and difficult for people growing up, but also just something really sweet as well. Um, so I have an idea brewing that I'm plotting and working on at the moment. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. Hmm. I'm, I'm always intrigued with, with authors on how you plot a book. And I'm a great fan of, of Tolkien and read Lord of the Rings about eight times. And when you see his planning um and that and the side storylines that don't necessarily get into the book but makes that world um more 3d um for the for the reader do you do that do you do you write it in a in a rough way with side plots going on so in your head you know exactly what that world is that's a really good question. Um, I am probably more of a plotter. Um, I know there are some writers who just write free flow and just see what happens, but I'm quite organised, so I like a spreadsheet. <laughs> and I often will have a document, which I call a plotting plan, so I will map out some of the chapters. And I, what I like to do is drip feed um, themes or elements into different chapters, particularly when I was writing Del One for Revenge. Obviously, I wanted to drop in but not overtly, because um, I think readers um, are incredibly intelligent and can work things out. And I wanted to do it in a subtle way. So I do like to plan scenes and carve in key elements um, in advance, and then I can adapt or edit those as I go. Mm. Right. I can't believe how the time has gone. It goes so quick when you're chatting to someone about <laughs> something they really have a passion for and is quite contagious, that passion. Uh, so if people want to follow you and um, where they can get the book, I guess it's almost everywhere and anywhere. Yes, it is. So you can buy it on Waterstones or various other platforms or directly through my publisher, which is um, Indie Novella. So that's www.indienovella.co.uk. And social-wise, uh, I am on X, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can find me at Emma L B Writes. Emma Brand, thank you so much, and please don't forget shout out when you got your next one ready to go. And 
even better, I think. And I'm, I really got a feeling about this, that you're going to be on the TV with us here. So please remember, shout out and come back to us. <laughs> oh, well, you're very kind. Thank you, Steffi. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emma. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. I'm keeping meeting cheating men about that's what you are. Ah, oh, there you go. That's uh, Jeannie Barton and um, Don't Assume That I'm Blue. Completely different. Dance, uh, the kind of music we normally play on here, isn't it? <laughs> but I heard it and I, I found it in my music collection and I was like, I don't remember buying that. But I was like, it's really cool. So I thought I'd shove it in. What do you think? Loved do you like it? Yeah, I was like doing, I don't even know what it's called. I like, do. I'm, I'm, I'm shook <laughs> if it, that you actually heard it. I'm amazed. Shook Absolutely shook. Yeah, I love Ears come in handy sometimes, don't they? Ears, 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 <laughs> ears do. Ah. Yeah, they do, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you bop along too, Terry. I Terry, are Is you with you? us? Terry? Oh, oh he's muted in oh, oh, There he is. There we go. He fell asleep. <laughs> trying to trick us. <laughs> so sorry. That tells us how little you like that song then, doesn't it? <laughs> I loved it. I was Did listening. Exactly. <laughs> well, can we get some news headlines? Oh. You can. This is Shout Out News. Welcome along. LGBTQ Nation and the poet and non-binary comedian Alok posted today about Nex Benedict, a 16-year-old non-binary Native American sophomore who was beaten to death on February 7th by three older female students in the bathroom of Awasa High School in Oklahoma. The school refused to call an ambulance for the injured teen and didn't inform police of the attack until Benedict was later admitted to the hospital and they died from their injuries the next day. Web commenters are blaming Oklahoma's top education official Ryan Walters for Benedict's death as Walters has pushed inflammatory anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric during his tenure. Walters also recently hired anti-LGBTQ plus hate activist Shana Reshik, who goes by libs of TikTok on social media, for a state school book banning committee after she targeted the Owasso School District for employing a pro-LGBTQI plus teacher who was later fired. Benedict was an animal lover, had a cat named Zeus, loved cooking, made up their own recipes and was a straight-A student, Benedict's mother said. Benedict also loved the creative arts, drawing and loved video games like Ark and Minecraft, according to BGH lesbian correspondence. Benedict also loved rock music, was unfailingly kind, always searched for the best in people and was a Cherokee Nation citizen. The state LGBTQ plus organisation Freedom, Freedom Oklahoma wrote in a post memorialising the teen Growing anti-2S LGBTQ plus beliefs are influencing people's behaviour towards 2S LGBTQ plus people, especially teens, who are facing more hate, which is often fuelled by state law and the rhetoric around it, the words and actions of our state-elected officials and the growing platforms those in power are giving to people like Shea Rachik, who continue to, to use her platform in a way that leads others to threaten real harm at Oklahoma kids, Freedom Oklahoma wrote. 
Tributes have been paid to the liberated sexual rights activist and business person Steve Ostro, who was passed on to the realm of our LGBTQIA plus ancestors at the name at the age of 91. Mr Ostro was married to a woman but told reporters as recently as 2018, I'm not gay, I'm not straight, I'm not bisexual, I'm not asexual, I'm a sexual person. I give up 50% of the population. I have slept with some of the most beautiful people in the world and I've never hid it from anybody, not my wife, not my family. A native of the Jewish community in Brooklyn, Mr Ostro visited gay bathhouses in the 1960s but found them exploitative and unhygienic, so... In 1968, he opened the Continental Baths in the basement of a hotel. The Continental boasted 400 rooms, a swimming pool and on-site entertainment, including a dance floor. As the 60s gave way to the 70s, DJs plied their trade on the sound system, with pioneers of dance music culture such as Frankie Knuckles and Larry Levan being regulars. The stage hosted live performances too, with musicians ranging from Bette Midler to Barry Manilow, LaBelle and the New York Dolls. Mr Ostro claimed that the Continental was, quote, the first gay establishment to treat gay people as equals and not exploit them. But the success of the Continental was also its undoing. More heterosexual disco fans began to visit the venue and the loving gay atmosphere was diluted as hard drugs came in. Therefore, Mr Ostro closed the establishment in 1976. Ostro moved to Sydney in his later years. There he also founded MAG, a peer support group for older gay men. MAG President Steve Warren was amongst those playing tribute to Ostro, writing, We are very grateful for the legacy of MAG that Steve left us. Steve's loss will be a big hole in our heart and he will never be forgotten. MAG also remarked, Steve's autobiography, Saturday Night at the Baths, is riveting reading. A film documentary is now being prepared for final edit and release. And LGBTQI plus election watchers expressed broad satisfaction at the result of the two by-elections held last Thursday, 15th of February, one of them in Kingswood, adjacent to the city of Bristol, from where Shout Out is broadcast. In both Kingswood and Wellingborough, a significant swing from the Conservative Party to Labour saw a bloody not sorry, saw a bloody nose for the government and some will argue a rejection of the cultural warfare against trans women that has been orchestrated by parts of the Tories and their allies in the Daily Telegraph, Daily Mail and Daily Express. Sir John Curtis, appearing on the BBC News Channel, noted that in both of the contested seats, the Liberal Democrat vote had all but collapsed. This suggested not that the Lib Dems are unpopular, but rather that progressive voters are plumbing for the party best place to unseat the Conservatives. Such a pincer movement, to quote Peter Kellner, spelt disaster for the Tories at the 1997 general election and could happen again. Even so, the Green Party vote held up well, with Lorraine, with Lorraine Francis polling a record-breaking 6% of the vote, a first for the party, which has a strong LGBTQI plus manifesto commitment. At Wellingborough, several independent candidates scored low turnouts, including Love, a techno-progressive activist with a commitment to human rights for all. Although the far-right Britain first scrapped just 400 or so votes at Wellingborough, the Reform Party scored some 10% in both by-elections, coming in third. For the moment, the party is parasitical for the Conservatives and Labour will hope that it will continue to split the right-wing vote when the general election comes. But LGBTQI plus election pollsters are cautious. Although Reform has some white gay candidates, such as television pundit David Ball, it is usually considered hostile to LGBTQI plus rights and equality 
Party's legislation. Bristol Pride is celebrating this week after the organisation was named the Pride Event of the Year at an awards ceremony sponsored by the full-time dance music LGBT plus radio network Gaydio. A spokesperson for the Gaydio Pride Awards said Bristol Pride continues to be a unique and important event that celebrates the LGBT plus community and offers the chance to connect people in the community and beyond. Local alternative newspaper B247 reported that the 2023 Pride event had lasted two weeks and culminated in a 25,000 strong festival on the Downs. Bristol Pride themselves said the countdown to Pride 2024 has begun. Pride Day will take place on Saturday the 13th of July and they noted that advanced supporter wristbands were on sale now. And finally, Queer Guru web portal and blog reports that if you're thinking about having a destination same-sex wedding this year, your choice has just got larger. The latest country to legalise marriage equality is Greece, a significant move as it is the first ever Orthodox Christian nation to do so. The Greek Orthodox Church is no friend of LGBTQI plus people and opposed the move, but it was noted by many that the very ancient culture of Greece, which enjoyed a golden era of science and philosophy in the period around 800 BCE, was broadly tolerant of same-sex relationships and even elevated some to spiritual status in their pantheon of gods. At any rate, the Greek government enjoyed a large majority passing the new law by 176 to 76 and legislative reform also allows same-sex couples to adopt children. The Human Rights Campaign Foundation, which tracks developments in the legal recognition of same-sex marriage around the world, say that there are now 36 countries around the globe where same-sex marriage is now legal. Well, that wraps it up for another busy week in LGBT plus community news and politics. Why not stay up to date by making shout out your homepage on the internet and check out our news feeds. And be sure to keep tuned to community radio and community podcasts through the week for the best in LGBTQIA plus entertainment and current affairs. For Shout Out News, this has been Ezra Peregrine and Terry Starr. <laughs> Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. This segment is sponsored by Talk to the Rainbow Counselor. Visit talktotherainbow.co.uk. Shout out LGBT radio for you. LGBT History Month with BCFM 93.2 Noel Coward Noel Coward was an English playwright, composer, director, actor and singer known for his wit, flamboyance and what Time magazine called a sense of personal style a combination of cheek and chic, pose and poise Many of his works, such as Hay Fever, Private Lives, Design for Living, Present Laughter and Blithe Spirit, have remained in the regular theatre repertoire. Coward did not publicly acknowledge his homosexuality, but had encouraged those close to him to write frank biographies after his death. A biography by Graham Payne, his longtime partner, along with Coward's diaries and letters, were published posthumously. Oscar Wilde Wilde, born in Dublin, became one of London's most popular playwrights in the early 1890s. Known for his biting wit, flamboyant dress and glittering conversational skill, Wilde became one of the best-known personalities of his day. 
In 1895, against the advice of his friends, Wilde had the Marquess of Queensbury, the father of his lover, Lord Alfred Douglas, prosecuted for criminal libel after he had publicly referred to Wilde as a sodomite. Wilde lost the case and was left bankrupt. On the 25th of May, 1895, Wilde was convicted of gross indecency and sentenced to two years' hard labour. He was incarcerated from the 25th of May, 1895, until the 18th of May, 1897. On his release, he sailed that night to France, never to return to the UK. In 2017, Wilde was among an estimated 50,000 men who were pardoned for homosexual acts by the Alan Turing Law. William Shakespeare We'll probably never know for certain, but what we do know is that 126 of Shakespeare's 154 sonnets appear to be addressed to a young man. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. One of his best-known and most-loved sonnets is addressed to a young man and refers to him as the master-mistress of my passion. The sonnets are dedicated to Mr. W.H. and were possibly published in 1609 without Shakespeare's approval. This has led many to conclude that the bard was bisexual. Tom Robinson Born in 1950, Tom is a singer-songwriter from Cambridge. He became involved in London's emerging gay scene in the mid-1970s and volunteered for London's Gay Switchboard. He became involved in the gay liberation movement and wrote the song Glad to be Gay to be chanted on the 1976 London Gay Pride March. His most famous release is 2468 Motorway, telling the story of driving a truck at night. In 1982, at a benefit gig to support the London Gay Switchboard, he met Sue, his now wife. Tom still identifies as a gay man that fell in love with a woman. He continues to support LGBT rights and was part of the founding team for BBC Six Music. Alan Turing Turing is considered the founder of modern computing and by breaking the Enigma code is credited with shortening World War II by an estimated two years and saving an estimated 14 million lives. Turing was convicted for homosexual acts in 1952, resulting in his security clearance being revoked and was forced to take hormonal treatment. He died at the age of 41 from cyanide poisoning. The coroner's verdict was suicide. In 2013, Turing was granted a posthumous royal pardon, formally cancelling his criminal conviction. In 2017, the Alan Turing Law provided either a posthumous pardon or an automatic formal pardon for living people where similar offences were removed from their record. Audrey Lord. Lord described herself as a black, lesbian, feminist, mother, warrior, poet. Lord is frequently quoted, especially her famous statement, Your silence will not protect you. Lord spoke out against sexism, racism, homophobia, classism, ageism and any other injustice she saw and tried to encourage others to do the same. In 1981, Lord was among the founders of the Women's Coalition of St Croix, an organisation dedicated to assisting women who have survived sexual abuse and intimate partner violence. 
In the late 1980s, she also helped establish Sisterhood in Support of Sisters in South Africa to benefit black women who were affected by apartheid and other forms of injustice. Peter Wildblood In the early 1950s, Wildblood, a journalist for the Daily Mail, began an affair with an RAF corporal named Edward McNally. In 1952, Wildblood and McNally attended a party held by Lord Montague of Beaulieu, along with Montague's cousin, Michael Pitt Rivers, and another RAF serviceman. Wildblood, Montague and Pitt Rivers were brought to trial, charged with committing acts of homosexual indecency. The two servicemen gave evidence in exchange for leniency. During the course of the trial, Wildblood admitted to his sexuality, making him one of the first men in the UK to publicly declare his homosexuality. The publicity surrounding the case, the harsh sentences, along with further testimony by Wildblood to the Wolfenden Committee, eventually led to the decriminalisation of homosexuality in the UK in 1967. Harvey Milk Milk helped found the Castro Village Association in San Francisco after another local merchants association tried to prevent two gay men from opening a store. In 1978, Milk won an election as city county supervisor in San Francisco. As the first openly gay elected official in the history of California, his election made national and international headlines. Milk spoke heavily of the need for visibility of the gay community, the need to come out of the closet and to fight the lies, myths and distortions. On November 27, 1978, a disgruntled former city supervisor assassinated Milk and Mayor Moscone. That night, a huge crowd spontaneously marched from Castro Street to City Hall in a silent candlelight vigil. LGBT History Month with BCFM Edith Ede, known as Lisa Ben Ede was an American editor, author and songwriter, better known by her pen name, Lisa Ben, an anagram of lesbian. In 1947, Ede began publishing Vice Versa, considered to be the first known lesbian publication in the world. In the 1950s, Ede began writing for The Ladder, the first nationally distributed lesbian magazine. Ede was also interested in music, writing and performing gay-themed parodies of parlour songs at a gay club called The Flamingo in Los Angeles. In 2010, the National Lesbian and Gay Journalists Association inducted Ede into its Hall of Fame. Mark Weston Mark Weston was born near Plymouth and assigned female at birth. Weston proved to be a talented athlete winning national titles at discus, javelin and shot put and represented Great Britain at the 1926 Women's World Games. He became a national celebrity earning the nickname the Devonshire Wonder but began to suspect something was different. As he had grown older his voice deepened and he found he needed to shave. Whilst competing in the World Championships in Prague, Weston began to feel like he had no right to compete as a woman. A number of years later, in 1936, Weston started seeing a consultant at Charing Cross Hospital, Lennox Broxter. Weston underwent two operations, following which Broxter stated that Mark Weston, who has always been brought up as a female, is a male and should continue to live as such. Within months, Weston married Alberta Bray, a childhood friend that blossomed into romance. In 
Mark Weston retired from competitions and went on to have three children with Alberta, and he died at the age of 72 in Plymouth. Gilbert Baker. Baker was stationed in San Francisco as a medic for the US Army from 1970 until 1972. After being taught to sew by a fellow activist, Baker would create banners for gay rights and anti-war protest marches. Baker first created the rainbow flag with a collective in 1978, but refused to trademark it, seeing it as a symbol that was for the LGBT community. The original flag was made up of eight stripes, but the pink and turquoise stripes were dropped for practical reasons. Each color was symbolic, pink for sex, red for life, orange as healing, yellow as sunlight, green for nature, and turquoise for magic and art, indigo for serenity, violet for spirit. A number of variations of the flag have surfaced over the years, the most recent being the additions of black and brown stripes as inclusive support for black and minority ethnic individuals who identify as LGBT+. After Gilbert's death in 2017, a new type font was designed, inspired by the rainbow flag. The font is simply called Gilbert. Marsha P. Johnson Johnson self-identified in a variety of ways, as gay, as a transvestite, and as a drag queen. Today, Johnson would likely be referred to as gender non-conforming. She's considered to be a central figure in the Stonewall Uprising of 1969, when patrons of the Stonewall Inn, New York, first fought back against police harassment and brutality. The Stonewall riots are considered the most important event that led to the gay liberation movement. In 1972, Johnson helped establish a shelter for gay and trans kids and in the 1980s was a prominent AIDS activist for ACT UP. Shortly after the 1992 Pride Parade, Johnson's body was discovered floating in the Hudson River. Although initially ruled as a suicide, the New York Police Department reopened the case in 2012 as a possible homicide. Barbara Gittings Gittings organised the New York chapter of the first lesbian civil and political rights organisation in the US, the Daughters of Bilitis, from 1958 to 1963. Gittings worked with Frank Kameny on the first picket lines, bringing attention to the employment ban on gay people by the US government. Gittings fought to get the American Psychiatric Association to drop homosexuality as a mental illness in 1972 and led initiatives at the American Library Association to promote positive literature about homosexuality. In 2003, the American Library Association awarded Gittings with its highest tribute, Lifetime Honorary Membership, and named an annual award for the best gay or lesbian novel, the Barbara Gittings Award. LGBT History Month with BCFM. This segment was sponsored by Talk to the Rainbow. Visit talktotherainbow.co.uk. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. For more information about Shout Out Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, a bit of Kyra Emerald there for you. Because my- 
and uh, absolutely mean. I could see you bopping along. I could. <laughs> Weren't you? I mean, we may be oh, a webcam, but I can still see you so, bopping. Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, you can't see that, listeners, but I was like doing a very slow, almost like chicken bop, pigeon bop, <laughs> pigeon nod. <laughs> you know, it's been a long day, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a long day. Can I, um, can I just ask a question? If, um, if anyone knows this, how often does as Kemi Badenoch bothered to meet anyone from the LGBTQIA community? No, it's not, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Neither of Shaker Valley. Since the beginning of last year. No, 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 no. Yeah. Since ever in her existence. Same as Keir Starmer, same as J.K. Rowling. Oh, same well, I don't know that's true. But, she, um, but she's the Equalities Minister. Yeah, and I was going to say, they're never not. had um, they're uh, not, um, a conversation in, in, since he's been in power with a trans person. That wasn't the question. Think. Oh, sorry. Was it, was it just about... Okay. It was just about... Oh, in answer to that one question, none. Yeah. Nil point. She's the equalities minister. Yeah, Come on. she's not but better also, No, and also she should now be sacked because she said the other day that she's in talks with the Canadian government. Trade. Trade. Oh. <laughs> she was t- says that she was talking to the Canadian government about trade. The Canadian yeah. government had to release a statement to say, no, there are no talks about trade going on between the two countries. So she lied about that to the House of Parliament. Also, she said she didn't um, say to um, Henry on, Staunton, who's the ex-post <laughs> office chair, she told him to cut back and slow down compensation for those people who were affected by the Horizon incident. So she yeah. said, no, that never happened. So what did he do? He released an email from her to say, slow down payments. <laughs> Good on him, to be yeah, fair. He's, she's been yeah. found out several times. Yeah. Right, yeah. Still LGBT history being made. Even Indeed, now. Andy. Indeed it is. Doesn't stop, yeah. does it? You know. No. I mean, I can still remember, and Terry remember this, when we started this show, we said it'd be a very good day, the day when a show like Shout Out is not needed, and we'd be very happy. I still don't think I'm going to see that in my lifetime, sadly. Uh, I think it's uh, potentially even less so. Mm. I think I think yeah. this is always going to be needed because I mean, also Steph's still let's hypothetically DJ in her grave. I mean, it's <laughs> not anything to do with shout out. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, let's hypothetically, uh, hypothetically say that everything's going well in the world, and you know, LGBTQI plus people aren't facing you know any difficulties i still think that shout out would have a place because i think that lgbtqi plus listeners at home you know oh yes no, no, would love I, to experience no but, but i, I know, I know that, what you're but, saying you know, we, we need and want are different that, um, yeah, aren't they yeah. Yeah. absolutely um anyway um that's it for another week if you're interested in getting involved in lgbt plus radio uh, we would love to hear from you we're looking for volunteers to get involved, no experience necessary, and if you are concerned about being on air, there's also plenty to do behind the scenes. Just get in contact with us and find out more at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Yes, Steph's wardrobe needs looking after off air, that's half of it. <laughs> uh, next week it's a leap show, as we've said, um, and we'll have an update for you from Avon and Somerset Police. But from myself, from Terry, from Ayers, and from Steph, say bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Shout out. LGBT radio for you.